Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have on the show a man who has the gift of vision. He did not just see with his eyes, he sees the energy of your soul. He's a writer, an actor, a host, husband. His multiplicity has inspired many cities all around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the Emmy-winning producer and hometown Columbia, South Carolina hero, comedian, Ron G. <sighs> What's up, bro? That was a great intro, man. I love when I do shows and people actually know your credits. It'd be weird when I do a show and they'd be like, hey, man, so tell us how we know you. Like, what? Like, it's freaking awkward. Who do that? But thanks, man. I appreciate you doing your research and I appreciate the, uh, the awesome intro as well. I, I take it seriously and the people on the show it's a blessing that you even came here today and i appreciate it For sure, are man. you are you ready to drop these gems let's do it bro what person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today who or what defined you what person that gave honestly man it's my mom i feel like my mom is just such a dynamic person um it's so funny like i was always asked my mom when i got older i was like yo what made you like you know, stay with dad and work that thing out. She was like, well, I didn't want anybody else raising y'all. And I knew you deserved to have a, a father in your life. And I wanted to make sure you have what you needed. So uh, I stayed with your dad and made sure I raised y'all right. And um, yeah, I mean, my mom was pretty awesome, man. From like when I was little, like just the exposure she gave me, because even though I'm from Columbia, South Carolina, man, like simple stuff, like she used to take us on road trips to Charleston you know, to go see my family, just get out of the house and meet your family. And then um, just to explain, when I was a kid, she just let me watch Def Jam. And I don't know why she let me watch Def Jam, but on Fridays, we used to clean up and watch Def Jam. And I used to sit at the foot of her bed and watch Def Jam. And I remember like, that was the beginning of me seeing all these great comedians. And like, that was the moment of, I like this. This is, this is fun. I think I could do that one day. And just her exposing me to that man literally changed my life. And you never know how, you know, exposing the kid to stuff like, even though having your kid watch you like do this, they might be like, Dad, I'm gonna grab that microphone. I think this is what I'm supposed to do. You never know, but exposure is everything. Exposure is everything. She driven you towards your purpose with her wisdom of allowing you <clears> to <throat> see that you can have these maturities and things happen in the comfortability of the home. I would like to know something that she told you, like a gem or anything that she may have dropped that you live by today. Uh, a few things. She said, as a black man, you only got a few things, your name and your credit. If either one of them messed up, it's going to be hard to live this life. So she was like, she used to work at the bank too. And I was working like finance and stuff like that. So she was like, you make sure you keep credit right. And you make sure you keep your name good. So, you know, whenever, you know, your name being good is currency too. So um, I just remember her always telling me that being on me about my finances. And so literally today, like I'm debt free, traveled all over the world, you know, even during COVID, uh, I honestly haven't worked work. I mean, I've, made, I've done some cool stuff, but I'm living off 2018 money because I shot a TV show and I know how to like market, like budget my money. So I do well, man. So my mom, she uh, instilled that in me. That That is a big topic we're going to get to on the show is financial literacy. If you can drop one tip of financial mm -hmm. literacy right now to the young men or men watching, what would it be? Um... <laughs> don't be lazy like the same way you um do research and hustle to get the money you got to do research and figure out how can you save and invest it um i still consider myself a bit novice with um actually investing but i'm good at saving and like spending appropriately you know what i'm saying and that's something that i was never taught because uh, actually when i did my tv show man um i shot this tv show nickelodeon 20 episodes most money i've ever made in my entire life paid off all my debt but i was so scared to spend it like i saved every single check and uh the problem is when you make a lot of money you got to pay a lot in taxes and i paid i paid clearly somebody's salary in taxes and i didn't know but if i would have known better i would have like bought a tesla under my business and uh use that as a write-off or something but i didn't know because i was so scared to like i knew i had to pay taxes but i didn't know it had to be that much but it was like you know when you get new money you you want to hold on to it but you got to figure out how to invest that new money so you're not spending so much in taxes and you can um uh balance out um the, the the your input versus your output so it took a time but now i know what to do if i got it but uh yeah man and get these write-offs everything ladies and gentlemen ron g is writing a book about write-offs make sure y'all follow that <laughs> oh man you gotta get incorporated if you're a business i'm a comedian i'm a business i don't work at any checks in my name every check goes to more my company there's every that check. gem 
There it is. <laughs> There's Every the check. I don't. I'd be offended with somebody writing my. Don't write that in my name. Put that in my business name. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first. Get you an LLC. There's websites you can get you a full protected LLC for as low as a hundred dollars in any state you want to have it in. That's what I'm saying. You got to do research. Just like how, how much we chase and hustle the dream. A lot of times, I feel like we as men, we don't do the things to help us sustain once we get to where our goal is you know what i'm saying like that's why i also have a podcast too uh called the two-piece podcast <coughs> and it's on uh personal growth for men and literally i i started because i feel like women be having workshops and conferences and women's brunch and all kind of stuff and men all we got is women wine and weed that's all we do we medicate until we figure out what the problem is but i was like nah there's got to be a better way so my podcast is literally me and my business partner who's like a dynamic speaker on relationships a life coach and we talk about the hard conversations that men go through, but never bring up. We be doing bullet points like Sports Center, but we never really talk about the stuff that really troubles us from, you know, transition from marriage, from being single all this time. And, you know, the more you feed the monster, the more the monster want to eat. And now you're married and you got a woman who's taking care of your kids. She's working 10 hours a day and you want the same, you got the same appetite and that don't work. So you got to work on yourself. Uh, you got to have compassion. You got to work on giving yourself grace and unpacking all that stuff because I feel like literally marriage is to make you deal with all the stuff you ran from in your singleness and you don't even know it till you give it somebody who especially if they solid too oh you got to see yourself you got to you gonna get absolutely. the receipt for everything you ran from in your singleness i absolutely agree with you that's the real reason why i started this show mm -hmm. i've always saw women empowerment and saw the things they were doing to upgrade men in a basic uh, upgrade women in a basic level and my wife challenged me she said be the change you want to see so here we are today and i have a question for you do you have a vision board? I don't have a vision board. I have a <laughs> vision notes that I've been writing over the course of my life. And literally, I think about two years ago, all my visions from then came true. And then I got married and now my visions have changed because I'm including somebody else in my vision. Uh, but also I feel like when I got married, it made, uh, it fine tuned my dream. Like I've always had vision and I've always like had these big broad ideas, but when you get married, or you with somebody who's a dreamer too, like it fine tunes what your dream is. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like how you mentioned, you know, having a 10K camera versus 4K. Like I had a nice camera before, but now I got 4K because I'm clear about my vision. You know, I was a homeowner before uh, I got married and my wife moved in because she's so dope at like decor and stuff like that. Like now my house is a home. Like my house, you see this accent wall right here? Yeah, she yeah, made yeah. this. This is, yeah. this didn't I, come I, with the house. She, she built this from scratch. There's something about when women come into home, you get soap in your soap dispensers in the bathroom. Little stuff mm. like that that you're not paying attention to. I got blue water in my toilet, bro. When I flush it, you can smell the ocean. <laughs> I got extra this blue water. I don't know where it came from. Blue water in my toilet. It's great. Along the way of you goal setting and writing things down and seeing them come true, what are some of the affirmations you tell yourself every day to achieve those goals? Uh, the thing I definitely practice, me and my wife, we... Uh, never talk bad to ourselves. Even when stuff is bad, we never talk bad. I don't care how terrible life is and COVID and everything shutting down, we ain't working. We like, we millionaires. Every day we like, we millionaires and we about to be rich. I've been saying I'm about to be rich for the last three years and I can feel it. Like, you know, I always like, yo, I can really feel it because I've done, I've literally done the work. And now it's just opportunity meeting preparation, you know, for me and her. And I look forward to that. So we live you know, we, we live fairly modest, but we live how we want to live. When we want to travel, take a day off, go to another country, we could, especially the earth, the earth was open, but that's how we live, man. We live modest enough where, you know, we can get a super, super, you know, larger house or a bigger, a nicer car, but I'd rather live modest and, and move how I want to move than, you know, be flashy. And then you got to live from check to check. And if a gig you canceled, then you struggling and don't know how you going to make it. I don't, I don't want to live like that. So we always do affirmations. Uh, we always encourage each other literally from like you know we'll just say i think you're dope like I, I, we, me and my wife we be complimenting each other so much i'd be like you playing she'd be like nah you handsome i'm like she's like i'm been around the house all day with these sweats on she's like no nah, you handsome well give me your face and just kiss me and i'm like okay that's what you're doing you trying to get buttered up trying to get you a house tomorrow is that what you, you trying to get a backyard trying to butter me up along the way your journey of also note writing and note taking the goals you said you reached, can you give us one goal that was apex that you reached and one goal that's apex that you're currently chasing? Uh, one big goal was I wanted to be a series regular. I wanted to be a series regular on a TV show. And when I did my Nickelodeon show, uh, I was on a show called Cousins for Life, uh, which was like the top rated show on Nickelodeon. I played a dad on a TV show. We shot 20 episodes at the gate. I ain't never heard that before. 
So literally we got two, three seasons in one on one thing. And uh, that was one of my goals. And the cool thing about that when you're in Hollywood that you don't know is when you're auditioning all the time, you're amongst many. When you're going to audition to be a room full of people that look just like me, big head, light skin, big eyes, you know, uh, mid thirties. Um, but then when you audition and you become a series regular, you get bumped up into the short list in Hollywood where literally I'm going in auditions with people I grew up watching as a kid. I'm like, yo, you in the audition room with me? Like, what you auditioning for? You know what I'm saying? But you get bumped up to a different level. And I didn't know that. It's like something you don't know until you cross it. It's almost like going to a different tax bracket. Like, you don't even know, like, yo, like, these are the things you can put your money in so you don't get taxed so much. You don't know it until you get there. So for me, that was definitely one of them. Um, also, being married. I wanted to be married. Um, and I wanted to find my partner before I popped off, you know? And I feel like my wife is actually literally a part of where I'm going. I feel like God was like, I want to blow you up, but you're going to need this. You're going to need this before I take you where you need to go. You need some accountability in your life and somebody in your space because all, you know, your friends going to not necessarily tell you the truth because especially if they're getting something from you, they ain't going to tell you the truth. But my lady, she don't care about that. She'd be on me and telling me about myself, which I feel like sometimes it doesn't always feel good, but it make you grow and make you a better person. So I'm grateful that I got what I needed before I took off. So um, that and the other goal I'm working toward is... Um, <laughs> Building my social media, uh, being a director, I'm actually doing directing my first short film uh, the beginning of March. Um, I'm gonna start my own production company and literally working on all my blind spots. You know, I feel like as an artist, a lot of times we focus on the things we're good at, but during this time of COVID and this free time, this is the time you gotta work on all the stuff you say you didn't have time for, now's the time to work on it. Like now is the time to work on everything you say you didn't have time for. And I'm trying to make sure I do that. So when the earth opened back up, um, I'm already hitting the ground running. I made the momentum because I did it at home. I did it already. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. When the earth opens back up, there's going to be plenty of opportunities out there. And those who are training behind the scenes will already look ready. And so other, others will come out gasping like, oh, wait, wait, I, I wasn't ready. So, yep. so. Um, yep. Life is different, man. I feel like too, whatever got you to this point won't take you where you're going. Like we're in a whole new world now. Like whatever was in your head about dating, how business works, how life should be, should is done. Like should is out the window. You know what I'm saying? Having one stream of income, that ain't enough. If you're an entertainer or you in the arts and you ain't on social media, you blocking your blessing. If you anti, I ain't doing no, um, you know, uh, social media dating or like I ain't getting on no dating apps, you, you about to be obsolete like a TV with knobs on it. You got to update your software and um, catch up with what's happening. If not, you're going to get left behind. Unless you, you know, sit there. Yeah, let's sit there. What? I'm sorry. I mean to cut you off. No, no, you're good. I was just like, you're just going to be obsolete. You got to catch up what's happening and be present. You, you literally got to update your software, even emotionally. Like, all the things that you were sitting on before and complaining about dating, you got time to spend with yourself now. So now you got to unpack all that stuff. So when it does open back up and you meet somebody, you can meet them with a fresh heart. Because I hear people saying they want to meet they you know they spouse they person wife they husband but you still on that all men ain't good all women like don't know about the person who you would want wouldn't want you with that kind of energy you got to unpack that stuff you are exactly right so my question to you is how did you know you were ready you got yourself together i'm sure that you had many opportunities for people putting in applications but how did you know you were ready especially with most people say that work comes before a woman, right? Mm -hmm. so like mm -hmm. a man's work. So how did you know you were ready to provide and share what you have built and also accept what she has to offer? A uh, few things. I feel like every man gets to a place in your life where you know your time is up. Where you know like the way I've been functioning is not sustainable. You know what I'm saying? And I've always had chicks around. A lot of my good friends were like females, but I was like, if I get married, these friends ain't gonna be around. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know how, um, how vulnerable I can get on the show, but I'll say it. But I feel like every man get to a place in your life where you realize hoes don't make soup. And uh, that's my little phrase. I'm probably gonna put it on a t-shirt, hoes, hoes don't make soup. Cause you can collect all these bodies, but when you get sick, who's gonna be there for you? You can collect all these bodies and bring by all these chicks. But when you really need something, who can you call on? And you get to a place in your life, you collecting assets, you collecting assets and you like, I can't, I'm not planning on giving these assets to my mama. It'd be nice to give them to my mama, but you gotta have, you gotta have some kids. You gotta have some offspring, somebody to, to, to give this this knowledge that you've collected with, you know what I'm saying? But you wanna do it with somebody you actually love, you know what I'm saying? Uh, no shade on anybody who wants to be a single parent or who's been a single parent, 
but you want to pass that down to love one for me i feel like it's the best for me to co-partner with somebody i love and actually make a kid with somebody i like that's what i see my parents do like i want like i love my wife but i also like her too and i wanted to bring my kid up in that environment because the cool thing is when, when i have a kid me my baby ain't even know what a nine to five is because i hustle all day if, if my kid I'm on this I'm on this table right here. I'm shooting videos every day. I'm shooting content. I'm doing interviews. I'm doing auditions literally from this table. So my baby get to see that to the point where they're like, my dad don't go to work like that. Like my dad, he makes a living doing this and they can see like, yo, like this is what dad does. Like it's the hustle gonna be in you. You're gonna be holding this camera. You're gonna be doing lighting. You're gonna be uh, helping me with these auditions. You're gonna be cutting videos. Like this is what you're doing. Yeah, and it's not to say so. I'll be doing little haircut videos to cut my hair. Like, yo, I'm you're gonna be in the bed, uh, in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet while I'm cutting my hair and watching me. You're gonna have a hustle. You're, yeah. gonna, you're gonna learn this hustle. That's what you do. So, um, you know, I, I feel like that, and you, I say you get to a point in your life where you like, I know I bring light. Most of my life, I knew I was special, but I, sometimes you don't know you're special until you're like not around people that live like you. Yeah. Like in a comfortable place, all your friends and everything. Like when I moved to LA, it was literally me. I didn't have no family. I, I like, I moved out here with nobody. And you don't find out how special you are until you're a place where the unfamiliar is your normal, you know? And for me, I had to literally find myself. Like what I thought church was and what I thought God was in South Carolina is different from what it is in LA. You know, back home, people get mad at you for wearing cut up jeans to church. And they like, you don't love God. You got cut up jeans in church. And I'm like, you got a hat on in church. You don't love God. And I'm like, but you smoke and you curse people out and talk about people all the time that doesn't make you christian like that's not jesus like you got small town jesus trying to tell me how to live my life and i literally have a relationship but i learned that when i moved away so grandma jesus and my mama jesus is completely different with mine my jesus is like real big faith where i don't know my next check coming i'm a whole homeowner and i got a wife and i don't know my next check coming but i know he's gonna take care of me there's never yeah. been a time in the last 15 years of my life where my rent with my mortgage wasn't paid you know what i'm saying so that's what you learn along the way and you you don't learn that until you move out of your comfortable environment but sometimes being comfortable is kryptonite to a dream being comfortable well, is kryptonite to a blessing well two things you and said there that's very interesting uh, uh guest to the show marcus divine said uh recently that he was working he's a singer songwriter but before he became a singer songwriter he was working at a metal factory and he called his boss over and said, I have to leave. I'm done in the middle of his shift. And he, see, he walked out and told, well, God, you're going to have to take care of me because I'm not going back to this job. And ever since then, he's enjoyed a successful career. So I relate to what you're saying in that regard. And I also can relate to leaving where you're from to grow to where you're going. Talk to me about that. Um, it's easy to be in church and hear those messages about faith when your life is work, church and home. If your life is work, church, and home, and having faith, not a problem. Just doing going, doing faith, nothing. But when you leave your family, and you done had a send-off party, and everybody know you leaving to do this thing, and you've been out here for years, and you ain't got no no receipt for your uh, moving out of town, and you still got hustling, and you be scared to go back home because you know you got your parents, your family won't receipts. Like, oh, okay, Hollywood, what you got going on? You like, man, I ain't doing nothing but driving Uber. Like, you got to hold on to something. Like, whatever's in you. You got to hold on to that thing until your dream makes sense and it takes time man it literally is a marathon you know and i'm watching god cultivate the things he put in my heart man, so, literally about 20 years ago so how early did you start goal setting um i feel like you can't really you can have goals but i feel like until you find your purpose that's another level of goal setting you know what i'm saying it's a goal setting when you've done the normal like where i used to be an accountant i went to school university of south carolina and I used to be an accountant. And for me, just putting a suit on and going to work was a part of my goal. Because I'm like, my parents blue collar. Like, they ain't never wearing a, I, like, I was the only person in my family wearing a suit to work. That was a big deal. Well, let's talk about it inside your purpose. Well, how, when did you start realizing that you needed to goal set for the purpose that you're in now? Because sometimes we run into stuff blindly, flashlight through the dark, no one to consult, especially being from small places. We know that we have this fire, but there's not necessarily we know where to apply the pressure. So this is what I was getting to. I said, I used to be an accountant. And for me, living in Atlanta with a suit on, going to work, you tell my parents, you know, my parents can brag about my son graduated college and he wearing a suit, was the best feeling in the world. And then I got fired for the first time. And literally I've been fired from every job I ever had. Uh, I'm, I'm to my temp jobs, my name tag ain't dry and I'm still getting fired. 
and God was like disrupting my peace. And I feel like a part of that was he wanted me to get unfamiliar with the check. When you're an entrepreneur, you don't get no check every Friday. You know what I'm saying? But if you're addicted to the check and you step out on faith, that check ain't coming every Friday. What you going to do? Like you're going to panic. You're going to feel like God ain't there for you. But I got, I was broke so long. God was like, I got you. I want you to get comfortable not getting this check every Friday, but I'm going to take care of you, you know? And, um, it's funny when I moved to LA, I had a job. They held it for three months, moved out to LA the first month on the job. I got fired again. And I'm moving to a place where my mortgage in Atlanta was like half the amount I was paying for half the rent in LA. So I'm sleeping on the floor. I got fired for the first time. And I'm like, God, and I'm, I'm like, I, I was staying with my roommate. I was sleeping on the floor and rent is double more than my mortgage. And I was like, yo, this is a lot. And I was like, God, you got to show up for me, man. And um, this is what I call the quarter life crisis where you go to school for something, but your heart tell you something different, but you don't know what it is. And you got to take risks. You got to take steps. You got to try things that are uncomfortable in order to figure out what your thing is. And I got on stage in Atlanta, uh, this comedy club. My co my cousin was a comic and he was like, bro, you hilarious. You should try getting on stage. I thought it'd be a bright idea to get on stage at Apollo night with a bunch of dope dealers and strippers uh, in Atlanta. Get on stage, as soon as I start talking, they booed me and boo was okay. But then they told me to kill myself while I'm still on stage. And I'm like, do I run or do I take it? Like what's happening? Then they to start throwing boo grenades while I'm on stage. And then they played this Jeffrey Osborne song in the background. It was like, I did my best, but my best wasn't good. Like, bro, it was bad. It was hostile. They was booing me, telling me to kill myself. They played the song, everybody laughing at me. I go sit down next to my cousin. He was like, I don't know what to tell you. The host come up, he was like, man, Ron G, you terrible. He's like, you trash. It was like, <laughs> they started booing me again. He was like, wait, let me get this right. Y'all booing his name? Ron, boo, G, boo, Ron G, boo. And I am still in the room. And I was like, man, this sucks, but I like it. And it just started a fire. I was like, yo, I'm gonna figure this thing out. So I literally started performing every single day, trying to find my voice. And within eight months, I got my first standing ovation. And when I lived in Atlanta, this is pre-Tyler Perry. So for me, I um, it was a hustle. Like comedy was a hustle, but I couldn't really... Uh, it wasn't necessarily a career because I didn't know enough about it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, even dating was tough because I feel like I had me money, but I didn't have we money, you know? And um, I got to a place I feel like God was telling me, he was like, yo, you gonna move to us? God, I had one day where I had a full meltdown at the house and God was like, what you gonna do about it? He said, you're gonna be a great comedian one day and what are you gonna do about it? And I was like, I'm moving to LA. Right, right there, right there at that moment. That's my, that was my exact next question. I wanted to dive mm -hmm. with you. And I wanted to know what was your lowest moment, feeling like you didn't know yourself, but not just talk about it, but how did you get up? How, for the people watching, they wanna know how. I remember being unemployed. I got fired again from another temp job. Um, I'm sitting in my house and I was just weeping like, God, I'm good at a lot of stuff, but I ain't great at nothing. I have this degree that does me no good. I've been funny all my life. People been telling me I should be on Comic View. I don't know what that means because it wasn't even being from a small town. Like being on TV was like such a far thing away. I was like, God, I need your help, man. Like what, what help me. And he was like, you're gonna be great one day. Like the world will know your name. Your name stands for relying on God. I don't know what, why I remember like Ranji relying on God. I don't know why that just got embedded in my head. And he said, what are you gonna do about it? And I was like, I said, God, if you give me three things, I moved to LA. I said, I told him, I said, I'm gonna move to LA. This is my, one of those moments where I'm like, I clearly remember talking to God. And I never really say I talked to God, but God spoke to me and he was like, okay, tell me what you need to move to LA. And I said, I need my pastor's blessings. Um, I need to sell my home and I need to find a job. And I was in a real bad relationship too, <clears throat> where I thought like where I'm from, you know, it's noble just to like, I'm gonna just not dream and go to a job I hate and take care of my then fiance soon to be wife um that's what i'm gonna do and i got i went through this bad depression because i was like i don't want to put my dream down i really enjoy it but i don't make enough to take care of another person and i told my boy i said man i think i'm a quick comedy and he was another comedian too he's very popular comedian named byron bowers man he was on the shy super dope friend of mine we started at the same time he was like bro don't put your, your dream down because you're gonna be bitter toward her and you're gonna be resentful he's like yo like stick with it <clears throat> so i remember telling god i said look I, um, I'm gonna try this comedy. It was a comedy competition with, remember the WB network? Remember the WB with the frog? So yes, they had absolutely. a comedy competition, uh, called the late night laugh off with WB. And I said, to God, I said, look, if I do this competition and I win, I'll keep doing comedy. And I said, remember 
I got this job. I kept getting fired from. I am in this place in my life where I'm just like in a funk and I don't know what to do with my life. I did. I auditioned for this um, this comedy competition and uh, I wound up winning. And uh, the prize was a trip to Vegas, um, which is unheard of for a young comedian where you get a chance to perform in Vegas. And I ain't never been on a plane before. So this is like my first flight ever. And I remember winning and I told my then fiance who I called a dream snatcher because you didn't get my dreams. I said, uh, I'm going to go uh, to Vegas to celebrate. And she was like, can I go with you? And I was like, no, nah, you was going to let me quit my dream to take care of you. Like you didn't even encourage me, you know? So me and my boy went to Vegas, had a good time, came back. I was like, God, I'm about to move, man. Um, so that same conversation I had with God, I remember my dad hit me the next day and he said, I put some money in your account. I was like, okay. I used that money and bought a flight to LA to perform at the world famous Laugh Factory at Chocolate Sundays, which is the, what I host right now in LA. My first time ever there, one of my buddies from Atlanta was cool with the host from the comedy show in LA. I went there, performed in one of the most magical moments ever to be performing in bars and like uh, bistros. And now you're performing at the world famous Laugh Factory that's been all over TV. You like, yo, it's crazy. That, I uh, met Michael Collier, met Mike Epps, like just, a great moment. I went back home and I was like, I'm moving. Um, I had a real jacked up loan. That was like pre-housing crisis. And I had a real jacked up loan. I said, God, you need to help me sell this house. Sold my house. And then I said, God, I need a job, man. And I got a job over the phone and they held it for three months, which I've never heard of that before. And the last conversation I did have was with my uh, fiance at the time. I said, look, I love you, but I feel like you don't believe my dream. And I don't think I can move to a new city with a new wife and a new relationship with a brand new relationship, with a brand new marriage, with somebody who don't believe in my dreams. And she was like, what'd that mean? I was like, I don't think we gonna make it. And I broke up with her and I moved to LA. Get to LA, I ain't know nothing. I, I went to go visit one time and I met one of my frat brothers that went to Clemson and he was like, what you doing here? And I was like, I just got a job uh, in Culver City. He was like, that's crazy. I just bought a house in Culver City. He said, where you staying at? I was like, I don't know. He was like, you can stay with me. I won't even charge you half. I'm like, I ain't know nobody. I went to go visit and met my frat brother, went to Clemson stayed with him uh and literally his place was walking distance from my job walking distance and i know nobody and then i got fired from that job uh a month later i got another job in long beach doing uh accounting a really cool job most money i've ever made and i feel like that's part of the trap too when you're trying to pursue your dreams you're gonna get the sweet deal it's gonna be like the most money you ever made or you know, right before you meet the person you're supposed to be with, you're gonna meet another person who's just a good option, but they ain't really that person, but it's still another option. You torn and you stuck. I had that moment because I was in, um, <clears throat> I was at my job in Long Beach and uh, I had a homegirl. She was like, hey, I got a friend who's uh, an agent. She took some time off to raise her son. She's looking for new clients. I was like, cool. She was like, you want me to submit you? I'm like, absolutely. I ain't know nothing about no acting. Uh, I, uh, she hit me up and she was like, hey, I got an audition for you uh, to do uh, checkers and rallies uh, as a spokesperson. Never had an uh, acting class. I ain't know nothing about no auditioning. I remember going in the audition and they had all the script on the board. It was me and another guy. It was a two-person spokesperson gig. And the guy was, he was a polished actor. He was like, try our cheeseburgers. They're delicious. You're going to love them. Tomatoes, lettuce, sesame seed bun. They're delicious. Try them. I was like, shoot. Biggest fear is reading in public. Uh, camera's on. Lights start getting hot. The room start getting small. It was a, the, the the words on the board, and I was like, "Hey, try our cheeseburgers. They delicious. You gonna love them. They got lettuce. To, what's the word? Tomatoes. Uh, <laughs> it's a sesame seed bun. They are amazing, man. I get a call that day. The lady was like, "They love you. You are. They want you to be the spokesperson uh, for this restaurant. Can you go to Miami next week and shoot these ten, these five videos, these five commercials?" And I I just started my job, bro. I'm in a new city where the rent is ridiculous like rent is higher than giraffe nipples right um so uh the lady she was like you gonna take the job and i was like i need a day man also my mom coming in town she ain't never been on the plane before i gotta make sure she's good when she get here she was like look i'm gonna give you time to think on it but you don't want to turn this down cool uh call my mom and said hey mom look i know you're coming to la next week but uh, I kind of sort of booked this audition and i was wondering if uh if i found somebody to watch after you while you're here um, can you, uh, you be cool? She was like, isn't that why you moved out here? And I was like, sure. Now I gotta have a conversation with my boss, right? Brand new job. I only been there for like a month and some change. And uh, I had to go talk to Miss Mary. I said, hey, Miss Mary. Um, yeah, so I kind of sort of booked this audition. I was wondering if I can go to Miami and shoot these five commercials. And she was like, let me tell you something, bro. You ain't been here long enough to even acquire uh, 
vacation time. So I'm gonna just say this. If you're not here Monday, you're fired. New city, uh, new job, finally making the money I always wanted. Uh, I have no plan B. I have no family out here. Wait a minute. That's uh, what we call the final level. Right. right before you get the glow, Leroy, you had to get the last temptation. <laughs> boss, boss level. This is the boss level right here. Mm -hmm. She said, if you're not here Monday, you're fired. Mm -hmm. Something in my stomach was sick. Like, man, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do this thing. But also, there was also a piece that came along with like, God, I got you. God was like, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Bro, I shot them five commercials, probably the most money I've ever made in my entire life um, at that time. And I did that. I did Bill Bellamy's Who's Got Jokes, finalists on Last Comic Standing. And I've literally not worked a nine to five since May of 06, since that moment. You know, it's so many things you said that had so much sacrifice mm -hmm. in it. And a lot of people don't understand that sacrifice is one of the biggest things you have to be bold enough to face. You had to get rid of someone who didn't give you the right energy. You had to tell mm. your own mother, I'll see you later. You had mm. to give away all your clothes and likeliness and, and every character trait you've ever built up for people that knew you already. And now you have a new opportunity to start fresh. Sacrifice, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, is one of the key components to being successful in your life. And Mr. Ronji, we thank you for sharing that with us. Man. Yeah, you hit that on the head. I, I guess I never put it in that way, but yeah, the level of sacrifice and you, it's, uh, what was it, the story in the Bible where uh, he told, um, who's this one that sacrificed his son? And he said, go to a land I will show you. Uh, he literally, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. say the wrong name. I know the story, but I don't want to say the wrong name. But he told him to go to a land I would show you. And literally he gave him an assignment. The assignment was go. And he said, to a land I will show you. He didn't say, I'll show you, then you go. He was like, go and don't look back. It's Sarah and Abraham. Abraham, there you go. Uh, father of faith or whatever. Yes, and his wife looked back and turned into a, a pillar of salt. But he, he went and, and he's literally the father of faith. And that's what I learned, man. Like that's that literally that scripture like kept me when I was in my head. I was like, just go to a land I'll show you. And the crazy part is, when you're pursuing your dream and you and your passion and you on your, your your grind and your your path, if God told you everything you had to go through to become who you would you would be, you probably run. I know I would have ran. I would have just been a, a a a hilarious school teacher somewhere with on my second marriage with a bunch of kids. Talk talk to me about the moment that <clears throat> you realize, man, the fires, the money, without food, the sleepless nights, this was all for this. Like the moment, like for me, I'll give you an example. I was a rapper for 15 years and I always was about to make it to television, always about to get my Grammy invite, but I was a conscious rapper. So people don't like this stuff that educates them. They want the other stuff. So I gave up my career and moved out the country and, I, and, and everything that I had was gone. And then I started to sit down and I always realized that I always talked about manhood and being better in the men around me. So I came up with this show. And I mm -hmm. realized, oh my God, everything I've ever done has been about manhood. So when I reach out to people, God already told me no matter who they are, they're going to say yes and not know why. I cannot, I cannot tell you the type of people like yourself that I just sent a message to, hey, this is what I'm doing. And you came. And that's what I mean. Talk to me about that moment for you when you said everything that you put on me and it was like wow for this the cold part about this whole conversation is literally you and i having this conversation because both of us said yes to our dream that's cool like we met before but we said yes to our dream and we're having this moment if we never said yes to our dream we wouldn't be having this conversation right now Absolutely we would never not. met we would never cross paths um, but the thing you mentioned, man, is like God proves itself all the time, man. The cool thing about God is he'll always give you the commercial before you see the movie. He'll always give you something just to keep you off suicide watch. He'll give you a little, you know, a little, little, little snack to remind you, little breadcrumbs like, yo, just so you don't kill yourself, I'm going to give you this blessing. Just so you don't do, get, think I ain't there for you because I know you take, you're taking the test. You don't know you're taking the test, but I prepared you for this moment and you got to be battle tested before I take you where you got to go. So this is what I'm going to give you to remind you I have not forgot about you. Bro, I can't tell you how many times like I've met women who were like dope women, but they wasn't my person. But God, like you need to see what this looked like to know that it exists. Or times where like I've shot in commercials in the Hollywood Hills and I'm looking at 
this million dollar mansion overlooking the city like yo put this in your head so you know what it looked like i've traveled all over the world i've been to london i was on tour and i got treated like a king bro and i come back to la or i will go to you know places i won't say the name of the club but i perform <laughs> places where you think like they would show me a lot of love and i had to stay with people i knew just and i'm headlining you know what i'm saying they didn't treat me right but i've been all over the world and i've had glimpses of what dopeness feels like and guy was like you need to experience that you need to change your palate so you know what good food tastes like you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like prepare yourself for the good life but even when i met right. my wife man i was so used to being broke uh she's laughing at me because we used to go to nice restaurants and i used to save food i'd take i would save like three bites for later and she was like what you doing i was like i'm saving this for later and she was like it's three bites once you go ahead and eat it or throw it away and i was like well i gotta eat it later she was like i'll buy you more if you need it like stop playing but i was so used to like not treating myself because i had to hold on to my money mm -hmm. that when you be somebody like my wife she's like no you gotta live like go treat yourself and it's something i had to learn you spark something in me right now um i realized and i evaluated mm -hmm. myself and i realized i don't buy anything outside of my purpose and that was kind of like a shocker to me like i'm not a guy who's gonna go buy something that doesn't have anything to do with what i'm doing right now I will go buy a camera to have better quality, but I won't That's buy more sneakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. The sneakers, I won't buy. I don't need sneakers for this. Like I don't need whatever I don't need into my purpose. I do not do. And yeah, you 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 said you said that you said that so profoundly. Hey, Lou. No, you good, bro? Don't unmute. No, no, you good, bro? Okay, give me a minute. I'll come. I'll come get it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> his thing is just checking in he checking yeah. in on you yes absolutely absolutely all right let's get, get this thing going you good bro i promise i can't wait to tell his mom about this one. Oh man now let's take it a little let's let, let's lighten the, the load a little bit let's have this conversation right. Right. I, I like to ask men this question because i love to hear their story and, and and i want to try to change the narrative did you ever get a sex talk who or what gave you sex education? Uh, the streets taught me about sex. I didn't know <laughs> nothing about nothing. I feel Why like when you? I was young, all the older men, especially like my dad friends, they'd be like, hey, little man, how many girlfriends you got? And I'd be like, I got five girlfriends. They're like, you got five girlfriends. High five, little man, you doing your thing. Then it started to get the real. And you go from the water gun to the real gun. And you can't shoot the real gun unless you like know what come along with it. And I had it. I had my senior year in college, I had two kids and found out they wasn't mine. That was right. the, the sober moment where I'm like, oh, this gun really worked. Okay, let me not, okay, God, what do you want from me? Cause this is not right, you know what I'm saying? And um, <clears throat> I, I wound up being celibate for a while because I had so much trauma from like having kids and found out they wasn't mine that I went like far right, super safe, got a cape on everything, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I wasn't enjoying my life. And I'm like, this is stupid. Then I started back in the streets because I was trying to validate myself because I wasn't doing it so long. I meet a girl like, and she'd be like, but you ain't doing that. And I'm like, she like, you gay? I'm like, nah, I ain't gay. I'm just, I'm trying to manage my monster. I've been through a lot of trauma and I'm trying to figure my life out. And I feel like I should wait till I get married, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you must be gay. I'm like, I'm not gay. I'm trying to, because <laughs> in the South and you talk like that, it's okay because you know, you might be some church folks that get it. I had a whole Bible people that, that live the same life. I go to mm -hmm. LA, don't nobody care. I say it on stage. You would have swear I said I had coronavirus on stage. Like it was the most disrespectful thing because every comic after that went up and talked about me, right? <laughs> Knowing they got their own trauma. But then you get to a place in your life where you realize you have light. And I like I realized I had light and I always functioned like a husband. So when you meeting people that's broken, particularly broken women, and you function like a husband, you listening, you giving great life advice because you're emotionally intelligent because you haven't been having sex. You actually know how to use your words. And they're like, oh, this is my husband. They they would make me their husband, but they didn't give me a choice. Then I was like, you know what? You don't deserve my light. So me not having sex at the time became protecting my light more so than like, I'm on this big religious thing. Cause I was like, I'm sharing my life and, and my dopeness with somebody who's already depressed and don't, and got trauma themselves. And I'm feeling depressed and I don't know why. You know what I'm saying? So I had to learn how to literally manage my light and not let, and not invite everybody into my, my space, my bed and like my life because it became a headache. And then I, I went from trying to date to managing fears. And I'm like, why am I managing your fears? Like, how can you tell me I'm your husband? And you don't even know me. I didn't even choose you. I didn't even, you didn't give me a say so in it. Now I gotta like make sure I don't hurt your feelings 
because you've given me uh, some power I didn't ask to have. We've never been on a date. You ain't never been outside my been in out my house when the sun was out, like together with me. And now I'm your husband. Like we ain't done nothing. You know what I'm saying? So I had to learn to protect myself, man. And so that was the beginning of me unpacking. Like, yo, I I can't I can't share my life with everybody. And that's, that's something um, I had to learn later on. That's what I was going to say to you earlier when you said you were in front of that audience at the Apollo. The fact that you got booed, in my opinion, is that most people saw your light and they were jealous of it. Like you can before you open your mouth, the light is there. Right. It's just that some people are so estranged, like, man, why he got it? Why his light so bright? Or why her light so bright? Anyone in particular. But I will say this and it will ask you this when you have children. Are you going to beat around the bush or are you going to go directly to the conversation that needs to be had? Because we need to upgrade this because so many people, men and women, run into situations where the government gets involved in their relationships because they just can't handle what, what sex has created, uh, what sex has done to them, their bodies mentally and physically. But if we increase the narrative, I think more people will have more trepidation before they make such a exchange of energy. I agree. Um, if you ever meet me and my wife, we have no filter. Like we talk the way we talk and I feel like our kids are going to see us argue. They're going to see us make up. They're going to see us, you know, say how we really feel because we don't really sugarcoat. And I feel like I want to raise my kids to where they're just not stupid. Like I want like if I'm not here, I want you to be a great decision maker when I'm not around. I want you to be like my mom and my dad would kill me if I did that. Even when I ain't here, I want them to have that in their head. And that's what my mom did to me. Since you brought up your wife, let's let's go to a couple of questions I have about about wives and marriage, and then we can go let's back to the to, to another question that I had. Go ahead. I want to poll you. I want to ask you the top three things you want in a woman, and I want to see if <clears throat> you have one of the criteria that I don't hear most men say. But after I say it, they say, "Oh yeah, that needs to be in there." Now, what are the top three things? Well, you have a wife, but what is the top three things you found in her or you wanted in a woman? Um, so I feel like the obvious is spiritual connection to God. I feel like that's the, that's the obvious. Yeah. Um, but for me, I wanted somebody to make me feel safe. Like literally I can be myself around her because I have this career where I can say whatever I want. I can say whatever I want on stage, but then I come home and I can't speak the way I speak. That's some bipolar stuff that I don't want to deal with. I've had, I've dated somebody like that before where you know, I have freedom to say what I got to say on stage. And then I had to like tiptoe and walk on eggshells because certain words would trigger them. And I, I didn't find this word until I stepped on a landmine. I'm like, oh, I can't say that. Just give me a list of words I can't say from the beginning. And instead of me playing this game and taking this test, I didn't ask to take, you know what I'm saying? That one. And then also, um, I wanted somebody who I could, uh, I'll put that with being my friend. I wanted somebody who's like legit my friend. I've, I've had girls who were like the fun girl and I've had girls who were my friend, but never in the same because fun girls are not functional and the friend girl usually I wasn't attracted to, you know what I'm saying? In my life, that's my situation. But uh, yeah, my, I wanted my lady to be my friend and um, I wanted somebody who I can travel with too. Like I wanted somebody who I can take in any environment and legit be cool, you know, cause I feel like <clears throat> the life I live, man, I, I make a lot of big boy decisions by myself and I wanted somebody who like, when I need to make a big boy decision, they would give me some really good advice. And I I remember dating this girl, man. She was a cool chick. Like she was anybody else would be like, yo, that's the one. I'm like, nah, something missing. I would bring up something and she would give me the most generic advice and it drove me nuts. She was like, well, you know, just okay. keep your head up and just uh, go uh, forward. Just yeah, exactly. don't Listen, look okay. back and okay, you I'm just happy. gotta trust God and do you and be you. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. I'm happy you said that. I am so happy you said that. First of all, let me say, none of your answers are ever going to be incorrect because it's subjective to what you need as a person to be the best you are, right? So me just asking this question is my fun way of saying, why don't men say intelligence? Why don't they? Yeah. Um, That was included in the being able to take you anywhere. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They don't say intelligence, yeah. no, but I, I said I'm happy you said that because a lot yeah. of men say intelligence. Actually, it's also in friendship. Because that means you have mental conversations and things you could talk about in common. Yeah. And then um, one thing I would have said was personal growth. Like I admired some, I wanted a woman who uh, respected personal growth because of what I've learned, I've seen in people really close to me where 
if one person is doing life and like growing and like becoming this great person, if you marry somebody who's like, this is just who I am and they stuck in who they are, your life becomes prison. Cause you're having these new experiences you can't share with the person you live with. And that's why I've seen like, particularly in the age I am now, my friends who've gotten married doing it the right way in their early twenties, fresh out of college, they've outgrown their person. And they're going through divorce now because they married somebody they weren't compatible with. But at the time that was the right thing to do versus like finding somebody you can grow with who values personal growth. And even though you jack both y'all jacked up, y'all can say like, I know I'm jacked up, but this is who I am. And I'm learning to be better with your person. And both of y'all know y'all junk versus like, nah, that ain't me. That's you. You tripping. Like that ain't life. A former guest to the show, Capriccio Scat <clears throat> said. That's a great name. Huh? Is it, that's a great name. Is that a jazz singer or something? No. <laughs> I believe Capriccio. Yeah, Capriccio Scats. He is a uh, manager of music. And, mm -hmm. and like more of information, he knows how to do the marketing and business and the, the royalties and all of that. He said a man should not get married until he's 35. 30 or mm -hmm. 35. Mm -hmm. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, I'm not gonna say 35, but definitely not in your 20s. You need to live your 20s so you can find out what your thing is, make your mistakes, trick off your money, whatever you do. But 30s is when your money get better. When your money get better and you're clear about who you are as a man, because sometimes you don't even know what you like until you try it. And sometimes you don't know what you like until you try it until your money right. And when you broke, you ain't, your palate ain't developed enough to even know what you like. But when you in your 30s, your money a little better, you've traveled a little bit, You've been to other countries, you're like, oh, okay, this is what normal is, you know? So I would definitely suggest a man, like, live your 20s. And just sit, unless it's a special case and y'all know y'all gonna make it. Other than that, bro, live your life, your 20s. I've seen too many of my friends, again, like I mentioned, they didn't even have their 20s and now they're trying to live their 20s, but they married. I'm like, bro, like, let's get a divorce. Like, that ain't it. That ain't it. I don't even suggest to get a divorce, but yeah, but you can't be married and live single. Absolutely. I got another question that's also subjective, but I would love to hear your answer why, whatever you choose. Go ahead. As a husband, would you rather have a great woman or a great wife? Hmm. <laughs> would I rather have a great woman or a great wife? Hmm. Interesting question. I need more context, but I feel like the... Uh... The context is within you. Oh, I got it. I got it. I feel like there's a... Part of the uh, ambiguity ambiguity of the question makes the question special. So, um, I would prefer a great girl. You said great. You said great woman or wife, right? Great woman or great wife. Yes. Great woman. Great woman. Because even with my wife being married, I don't feel married, and that's not like in a negative way. But I legit feel like my wife is my friend, and we just doing life, but we live together. It don't feel like you're my wife, so you need to do this. And as a man, I should do this. And we don't do gender roles like that. Like whatever you good at, you good at. Whatever I'm good at, I do. You know what I'm saying? So I legit just feel like I married a good woman. And that's what I wanted. Good wife. The titles just sounds a little, a little above my pay grade. Absolutely, I appreciate you expressing <clears throat> that. Men uh, give both sides, and I just love to hear the explanation for the women listening, for the guy listening. Maybe that would give them some more clarity of what the what they should be looking for. What was your answer? Just curious. Great woman. Gotcha. Because because for me, I need a woman who's a, a, a mother and I need a woman who understands when not to be a wife. When, you know, when I need a different type of conversation, a different type of pooling, you know, somebody's supposed to be your final resource. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And titles will make everything a little complicated, man. Yeah. Woman, wife is just a title because in, in, in reality, there are plenty of people who are wives who are not great. Yep. And husbands who are not great. Right? But if that mm -hmm. person is great, the character of that person, just because they get a title doesn't it doesn't change the consistency of which who they are. Right, I agree. That's why I always tell my wife, I say, you my buddy. And I say that genuinely because that's for me, that's a higher title than wife. Because when I say you my buddy, like my lady is like my buddy, like we kick it. Yeah. And we absolutely. have fun. And we, we talk the way we talk to it, which I ain't never had that before. Like we say what we got to say. And I feel like the sooner you and your person get to closer to saying how you really speak with each other, the healthier relationship is. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I've been married 15 years. And 15? Y'all don't, yes. don't even look like you've done 15. That's dope, bro. <laughs> uh, we, we, <clears throat> we say what we're going to say and do what we want to do. And uh, we, we grow together. 
and it's it's. And you ain't going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere. Get mad. You ain't going nowhere. Let's go get some tacos. Let's go. Oh, you can delay that to after this movie's over. <laughs> oh, after the movie over, that's funny. Yeah. We talk about leaving a legacy, but mostly ignore major steps. Do you have mm-hmm. a will? Uh, I have life insurance, which I, yeah, I have life insurance. I don't have a will yet, but I definitely need one. I was talking to a, a guest of the show, Mr. Cameron Wesley. He said his cultural counterparts usually look at death and wills as an investment versus looking at it as the death talk. Talk to me about why you think our culture looks at it as a death sentence versus an investment of like paying for life insurance, paying for insurance on your parents so you can take care of the their financial duties and the funeral without doing like things like GoFundMe's. Um, it's just ignorance. Like it's ignorance and it's fear, you know, and it's not a bad thing. It's just we're not taught. Like I said, even my financial literacy, my dad didn't teach me anything about money. Whenever it's time to have a conversation, he'd be scared. I guess he's just he's getting older and he's getting closer to, you know, time to go to the uh, to the upper rooms. I feel like he's a little scared, but I completely understand it. But I, I had to learn on my own. You know, we all gonna get there one day. Um, but yeah, it is an investment. You, it's just one of those things you got to just take the sting off of it and just do it. It's kind of like faith. Faith is like you can't really activate your faith if you don't give God an opportunity to show you that faith is a thing. Mm-hmm. So same thing with your finances. Like you can't be scared money don't make no money. You can't make no money if you're scared to spend it or scared to like realize like, yo, this is actually an investment. Like instead of buying $3,000 worth of shoes during a year, you can put it on some life insurance and cover your family. So if something happened to you, they ain't got to pay for nothing. If something, you know, if something go down. Absolutely. And you can borrow against it. Absolutely. We only have a few questions left. I'm not going to hold you too much longer. I know. I thank you for being patient. All good, bro. All right. Should, <laughs> excuse me. I'm good, man. Should there be a basic training program amongst men, level of education given outside of the school system, outside of the church, outside of the Boys and Girls Club, where we're in our communities, we teach our young young children, like you said, financial literacy, the art of communication, change a tie, change a tire, gardening, general wealth, generational wealth building like stocks and real estate, and having conversations with intent with the elderly. Like, do you think we could ever implement that in our communities outside of the, like, have, they'd be excited about buying a stock in GameStop and seeing what it does. Like, just making that something, I know parents can do it, but I'm talking about our community doing it. It's definitely possible. That's the problem is I feel like people like you, yourself and myself is like, I'm very optimistic about and hopeful about community thinking, but sometimes the community don't want to be the community and you can't make somebody be a part of that. Like the way I feel about men and like how powerful and how dope I think black families are, I think it's the most powerful thing on the planet, you know? And I hold that in a very high regard, but everybody don't think like that. So trying to get people to come together, even with good intentions, is, is a bit tough, but I would love to see something like that. I would love to be a part of it. I would love to do a class on my area of expertise, which I feel like is like relationship health and personal growth for men. Like that would be my thing. I feel like nobody teach you that. Like literally, men have to go through trauma and and ruin a bunch of lives before we like, yo, it's time for me to like do something <laughs> different because this ain't working. And I hate that, you know, there's so much collateral damage by the time we get to the point where we like, I want to start pursuing a wife or something like that. Like you done left this whole trail of tears and, and blood and carnage. And it's like, that didn't have to happen if you were taught the right way. You know what I'm saying? And we all make mistakes, especially in your twenties and you don't know what you're doing. Like I get it, but some stuff should not just be reckless and without any regard, you know? So I, I would love to see something like that. Absolutely. This is why I ask these kind of questions. Cause I just want to have the conversation. And if I keep asking men these conversations, we, we we give a bunch of options to people who may be listening. How much are you trying to understand communication between you and your lady? Are you practicing like love languages and things like that? How much are you trying to really understand her to give her the reciprocity that you want? Uh, I feel like marriage is an everyday class, <laughs> a TED talk about communication and growth, uh, grace and love like every day is a different level of that sometimes you think you've mastered the course and then god will give you another level the the aap course the advanced placement course mm-hmm. in your marriage to make you work on the stuff that you haven't worked on you know yeah. um daily we work on like i know her love language she knows my love language but 
and you know, life comes along with that. You know, you come, it comes along with family sickness, personal sickness, you know, money not being made, jobs, losing things. And can you still show up like you did when everything was good? When I met everything on your list, can you still show up even though our circumstances are different? And that's what I had to learn. Sometimes people feel like love is this beautiful thing, this warm and fuzzy feeling that's in your heart. And you meet the person, you give them all your love. Like love is literally a choice. You choose to love somebody especially when they ain't acting right and you got to show up anyway, because you made a commitment. Like love is learning how to be there when it wasn't warm and fuzzy ain't there no more, you know? And playing dates, even when you're in quarantine and you're in sweats all the time. And you know what I'm saying? Like it, it don't feel sexy, but you still got to plan these dates. Like that's what love is. And nobody teach you that. So uh, for me, I feel like me and my wife, we're actually good teachers to each other. Like my wife is a great teacher and I feel like I'm a great teacher to her as well. Cause we're not the same person and I wouldn't want to marry somebody like me because I'll probably get a headache, but yeah, man, like it's a dope thing. You talked about the when love you, language. when you choose the right person, right? You talked about the love mm. language. Do you mind sharing what your love language is? Cause I do, I, I always ask the guys because I was betting that all of us say touch, but I've been wrong a few times. Mm. Which one is your love language? Mine's definitely touching time, but off think- the chart, off the chart, touch and time is, um, it's definitely important, but it's not off the charts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, a, it's amazing. We had a conversation with another gentleman said, you got to be careful because people's love languages change the longer you are in relationships with that person. And you have to be able to recognize that. Hmm. Okay. And also too, you give love how you receive it. And that's not always the case. Right. Like cause my dad, like he likes gifts, like gifts is his jam. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But for me, we born like a day apart and I'm like, I like, touch and time and I know like even when I, I battle depression quite often as well man and like my wife she like I, her natural tendency is to give me my space while I'm going through my little I call it the cloud or whatever but I'm like yo get in my space like hold just put your hand on my leg and hold my arm and don't let me go if I'm in my funk because it helps me get out of my head and I get reminded like oh I'm not in this thing by myself because you're my imagination is my imagination is a beautiful thing it's the amazing thing it makes me a lot of money but it's also dark if I'm left up to my own self <laughs> to fill in the blank of why she ain't speaking to me or we have a bad argument. I will take it personal and be like, she don't love me. Like, you know what I'm saying? So even when we have disagreements, if she put her hand on my leg and be like, I'm sorry, I believe her. If she like, I'm sorry, do words or we long distance and over the phone and she say, I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, but when she put her hand on my leg, life is good again. I think that explains why that young lady didn't have nothing for you. And the other young lady, she said, I don't know, just believe in God. And that wasn't good enough because it just wasn't right. And I'm happy you found the light that matched yours and y'all glowing stronger together. Validation from your partner, huh? So you couldn't pay me back in the streets. Uh, Hey, listen, validation from your partner. It's like you win a championship when you meet the right woman. But Mr. Mm-hmm. Ron G, I have a question for you. You said you mm-hmm. like to be uncomfortable. LeBron James says whenever he feels comfortable, he gets uncomfortable. So are you validating? Are you defending the title? And what I mean by that is, are you competing with the best versions of yourself to make sure she's still in love with that same guy or the advanced 2.0 guy? A- am I working on it? Yeah, every day. Are you validating? Absolutely. Are you, competing? are you competing with it? Are you trying Two to out compete her? Are you dressing better than her when you go out? I mean, are you working out like you say, "Hey, babe, my body looks good. I'm doing this. I'm doing this thing." Are you defending so the funny. title? The uh, the funny thing is, like, my wife, she she fine, like even with no makeup on, and I'm like, I can't be out here slipping with a fine wife. I can't be out here looking like the help when she over here looking like a movie star, even when she ain't trying. You know what I'm saying? So. I got to always make sure, and you know, doing what I love for like, because I'm a comedian and an actor too, I always got to make sure I look right, but you know, keep my, my fade fresh and everything. But same time, I got to make sure she be working out all the time. Uh, I got to do better about working out, but luckily I got pretty good genes where, uh, yeah, I, I got crackhead stamina, so I don't really gain weight like that. But yeah, man, I always try to make sure I'm on point. And like, we talked about this because we do a Q and A show and we would love to have you and your lady on it. We do a, a game show called Couples Couch every yeah. Thursday, 7 p.m. Uh, dope game show. You asking questions that y'all should know about each other. Just fun questions, and uh, see how well y'all know each other. But we uh, we probably compete on like making sure we pleasing each other. Like my wife called me handsome so much, I be thinking she be playing. Like don't be don't be trying to butter me up. What you want? You know what I'm saying? But she genuinely be like, yo, you're so handsome to me. And be, I wake up, she just be looking at me. I'm like, you okay? She be like, he's so handsome. I'm like, you freaking creepy, but I love it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, same with her, man. Like she's she's dope. You know, it's, by, it, pinch on pinch on a little bit, grab on a little bit when I walk by. 
it's good when you defend a title. It's hard when you got to learn a new skill to defend it. Because for me, living here, you can't trust everybody to give you a haircut. So I'm going to have to learn ah, how to get really. I know I look rough, but this is not how I usually look. You know, this is how, <laughs> look, this is how I usually look when I'm around the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> so so I have to learn a new skill to defend the title. So don't yeah. forget to defend the title and you might have to learn a new skill along the way. Absolutely. And so also, do you, do you, uh, you got a bald head, right? Is that the, the normal? Yeah. So can you cut a bald head or you don't know how to cut it yourself? I don't know how to do that either. Man, so right now, stop right, playing, bro. You spending right, money on a bald cut? Look, right now I'm moving on up like George and Weezy, if you know what I mean. Oh, that's funny. Nah, you ain't got to <laughs> yes, take sir. it off. Bro. <laughs> You got to learn how to do a bald head, man. Yeah, that's I nothing. I, I get so much fear of getting those bumps. I hate that. I hate seeing people go through that. You got to so clean I, your clippers and make sure you get them sharpened too, man. Um, YouTube is always a good reference, man. Yeah, YouTube I, is always a good reference. Like I've you said, them. you got to be the I best version of yourself. I'm just like, mm, maybe. <laughs> you can do it, bro. If you if you cut your hair and you rub against the grain and you feel hair, like keep going over that spot. That's like a... I always have a hand mirror and a big mirror behind me. And I have the hand mirror and I turn my back to the big mirror and I just cut my hair or whatever. So yeah. I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a try, man. Just cause you motivated me. Do they have black barbers out there? They have African barbers who are really great. Yeah? We do have some black barbers who are expats, people like from New Jersey and stuff like that who teach as well as cut hair. Yeah, you found one yet? The, 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 uh, yeah, I, I have, I have, I have. So I'm going to see him. But soon. COVID? Yes. Okay, got you, all right. Yes, absolutely. I came up with something called operating at 100%. And what I mean yeah. by that is I took five categories and I divided them by 20% each. It's purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Purpose mm -hmm. means you're living in your purpose every day, doing what you have to do to move forward in your life. Health is mean you're eating right, working out, meditating, praying, the things you need to do to have physical and mental health. Confidence, you're doing without any fear, any 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 trepidation, any insecurities. Money is you made a little money, saved a little money, invested a little money. And knowledge, you took in some new information. So I ask you, Mr. Ron G, within the last 24 hours, how much of 100% have you been operating out of when it comes to purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge? Literally all of those I have worked on today. Uh, purpose. I'm in my jam every day, like every day I'm pushing myself and creating content, yeah. uh, confidence. I don't have the luxury of not being confident. Even when I don't feel like it, I got to learn how to fake it because of what I do. You can't be a comedian and be successful and be, you can be insecure, but not in front of people. You know what I'm saying? So even me working on new material is a level of vulnerability that the people don't know, but I will sell it. Like it's the best, funniest thing ever, even when I don't feel like it. Financially, um, because uh, of COVID and everything shut down, I have to be mindful of my money. I've been investing, uh, investing, uh, trying to work on multiple streams of income, and I literally work on that every single day. Um, Got to call my accountant tomorrow about some stuff. Um, what's the other one? Confidence, knowledge, purpose, uh, purpose health, confidence, money, and knowledge. So, money and knowledge, uh, definitely a daily thing that I'm learning, and I just. I, I have to be mindful of my money because I'm not working. So I have to be uh, aware of my spending and stuff like that. And then the last one is knowledge. Um, every day, man, uh, really pushing myself to learn a craft, a skill or fine tuning. Like I said, I got a, I got my first directing gig coming up where I'm learning how to direct. I have no experience in directing at all, but I want to make sure that my first project is amazing. So I'm learning about camera angles, camera lenses. I'm watching literally like really dope movies with like great cinematography and like learning the art of it. I uh, just did the shot list with the DP the other day and we were talking about shots and he was like, what do you see for the, 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 uh, the vision of the show and how you want it shot? And we were talking about like, you know, we love the coloring of uh, Insecure and you know, the show is a little darker, but it's still comedy and the angles and, um, and I knew more than what I thought I did. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of cool and you don't know it until, like I mentioned earlier, you don't know who you really are until you put in environments where things are unfamiliar. You know what I'm saying? So that goes back to my first point about me getting in the deep in the water with photography and, uh, sorry, with being a DP and a director. Like I was built for this, but I just didn't know the terminology. So it's like all these things are transferable. Like even you buying a camera, like you are already on camera 
but like getting cameras and learning learning how to do it while you're doing your craft mm-hmm. it's all it's another day like you don't have the luxury of not growing in your craft if you're already in it absolutely absolutely thank you sir you are now part of the silhouette boys club it is people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine now before you go we like to get referrals to the show any man you think would love to come on this show and drop these gems and answer these questions i absolutely i actually do uh, i got a buddy named tyree vance super dope guy uh filmmaker photographer he has a lot of men's workshops for like young boys or young men or whatever and he he that dude man he's a super dope guy and i would love for you to interview him and i will send you his details as soon as we got the phone all right mr tyree Mance, we want to hear from you also do you have any social media shout outs anything you want the people to know that you got going on today i'm glad you asked govern yourselves accordingly every thursday me and my wife do a really dope game show called couples couch every thursday 7 p.m pacific standard time uh on my instagram live after that immediately after that we do q a with bay where basically me and my wife talk about our first year of marriage all the good bad and ugly from being single to finding each other to like things the nuances that we go through while we're married every sunday uh i do a virtual chocolate sundays comedy show if you've never been to la before uh it's the longest running most diverse livest comedy show you ever been to in your life but we do it via zoom every single sunday 7 p.m pacific standard time we got, a, we got three comics we got first impressions, which is like the newcomer, the newcomer comic, and then we have an after party. It's absolutely amazing. I'm not saying it because I'm the host. The vibe is dope. It's incredible. Uh, every Tuesday we go on Clubhouse and do um, Chocolate Sundays, which is called the Comedy House, the Comedy Clubhouse on Clubhouse every Tuesday at 6 p.m. And last but not least, we just started doing Comedy Gurus. Myself and my buddy Tehran on Wednesday on Clubhouse, we actually uh, give life advice. Uh, whatever the question is, whatever the drama is, we got an answer for it. You might not like it, but we will make your life better. So Comedy Gurus every Wednesday on uh, Clubhouse. Uh, follow me, Comedian Ron G, on all social media, Comedian R-O-N-G. And also check out my YouTube page. I put a lot of long-form uh, relationship content and funny on my YouTube page. Also, Comedian Ron G. Type in Comedian R-O-N-G. Everything is on there. And until then, don't block your blessing and govern yourselves accordingly. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Ron G. But before you go, I want to tell you a few things before I close out. First of all, I want to let you know that my son knows Marvin Gaye because of you. Because every time I watch one of your videos, are you serious? Now he walks around the house talking about what's going on. Yeah, he just he that's sings funny. Because you that's know, as, yeah, as sometimes as a parent, you forget that you're watching stuff and the kids can hear it. So yeah. he definitely, uh, he 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 knows that part of the song and he sings it all the Absolutely. time. And I just wanted to give you a credit for that because you taught him some Marvin Gaye. And real quick before you go, let me show you this. I did find it. Bam. Yo, that don't even look like you, bro. That's so funny. <laughs> That's at the comedy house. That's so funny. I remember that night too because my, my frat came out as well. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, bro. I ain't got yeah. no facial hair, and you got the <laughs> the freshman year face. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So dope, man. All right, hold on one second. You got another picture? No, no. <laughs> okay, all right. For those listening, you can reach me at solutionsmen at gmail.com to be a guest on the show. On or you can catch me at Sheen One on all platforms. Let's have this conversation on Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, or Twitter. It doesn't matter. Please come along. We want to hear all the conversations and we thank you for joining us today. We end today with a quote from Dr. Miles Monroe. True success is not measured by how much you have done or accomplished. It's not compared to what others have done or accomplished. True success is what you have done compared to what you could have done. In other words, living to the maximum is competing with yourself. It's living up to your own true standards and capabilities. Success is satisfying your own personal passion and purpose in pursuit of personal excellence. So the question of the day, the question of your life is, are you maximizing your life? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Solutions. Mr. Ron G, we thank you. Salute, man. What you know about Miles Monroe? That's that dude, man.